Gentlemen, welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. We are glad that you are with us as we get started. A friendly reminder that nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official statement of doctrine or belief of any particular school, church, or calling body. We are not affiliated with any particular school, church, or calling body, and that everything we say here is simply the belief or opinion of the man who states it and nothing more. Let's get started with the show. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. I feel like everybody's going to judge me for drinking truly. It's good, folks. It tastes great. But you are watching or listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We're going to do a new thing here for the summer. We're going to go through the 31 books of Proverbs. We're just going to go one book at a time and uh, crack it open and talk through it. Before we get to that, a big shout out to Pastor Steinberg and the Christ for Disciples podcast. Happens that we have a chaplain in the house. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Chris. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris Crenshaw. I'm a fourth year in the pastor track at MLC, and it's going to be fun. I got an internship for six and a half weeks doing chaplains in schools, and I'm really, really, really excited for it. Yeah, you want to tell us more about the program? Well, well, it's it's an urban uh, mission experience. I don't really know, I suppose, like that much. Um, if you ask me for like stats or facts or stuff like that. <laughs> um, but uh, I know that I'll be helping students and faculty and giving, like, devotions and whatnot. So I'll be a spiritual, like, lean-to for them. Yeah, and it goes alongside the uh, Center for Urban Teaching's summer school program, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be like, working with one of those schools, I think. Yep. Very cool. Exciting. Well, have fun. We'll be, you'll be in our prayers for sure while you do that. Um, today, we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 1. Um, and we'll just start by reading it and then go ahead and see where the... See where the where the text takes us here. Um, so, starting in Proverbs chapter one, he's got a God's Word Bible. I've got a NIV Bible. Let's it's, rock and roll. It's uh, made just for boys. And yeah, that's, God's that's Word me. for boys. I, I'm excited. If you look back in there, I think I wrote my name in there in like third grade, so it's probably really sloppy. But it's my name. Uh, yep. <laughs> look yep. at that. I even wrote. Apparently, I only have two it's, favorite places in the whole Bible. It's in cursive. It's my favorite place, I don't know, is that 780, no, 740, oh, I think it's pages, 748 and 1154 in the Bible. Oh, I don't know what those are. We're going to have to check those out later. Maybe, maybe we will. <laughs> maybe we will. But, Proverbs chapter 1, prologue, purpose and theme, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Of course, I would encourage you to read along if you can. If you're driving or something, feel free to listen. Here we go. The Proverbs of Solomon for the son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I think we can probably pause there, huh? Yeah, for sure. I just like seeing the textual differences between like the NIV 84, which I have, and HI, wait, what's it? HI English? No, EHV. I almost said oh, HIV. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> what I want. That's not what you have. <laughs> nope. E- EHV. <laughs> so my HIV Bible. Oh, goodness gracious. He got it from bu- fighting, folks. He got it from fighting. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so what are you noticing is different between your text and mine um well actually i think this one's uh kind of similar to the ehv (laughs) um and the niv 84 is definitely a little bit different um i think yours is yours reminds me a little bit more of the niv 84 
Yeah, I think this is an is 89. It? Oh, 89? Okay. Yeah. No, but it's just, I think it's really fun to look at the wording differences. Um, just as an example, like, at least in the in the Greek part of the EHV, it's um, like they word the participles differently. I'm, I haven't studied Hebrew enough to know, like, what it's like compared to, you know, a, you know Hebrew Bible. But um, I really enjoy seeing how they, how English changes things a little bit even though it says the same the same word same yeah and, and i haven't obviously gotten as far into the languages as you have as of yet um but already it's kind of fun to see i mean i only made it through half of a semester of hebrew and already like especially going through the psalms and proverbs you start to see like sentence patterns and word patterns and things like that and you go oh yep. like, i already understand it a little bit better what's going on here and what they're trying to say just because you start to get suck up some of the grammar and things like that mm-hmm. which is super cool as, I, I think it's really interesting here that he starts with purpose and theme, and he s- explicitly states it. And I don't know if that's like a normal thing in Hebrew, especially when you're writing Proverbs and things like that, because this wouldn't have been super uncommon back in ancient times to write down a book of Proverbs or something like that. Um, but I think it's fascinating that he immediately starts with purpose. Like, here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're writing this. Like, we want you to gain wisdom and discipline. We want you to have understanding and fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is being of knowledge, immediately followed by a, not a threat, but a warning, right? Um, fools despise wisdom and discipline. And we don't want you to be a fool. And so we've prepared this book of Proverbs for you to learn from and to understand. And I think that's awesome. And I don't think yep. there's another spot, like, while the whole Bible kind of has that purpose, I don't think there's another spot. As far as I can think of, I don't can't really think of another spot in Scripture where it straight up says, like, look, this is why I'm telling you what I'm telling you, and this is going to be life-saving. Well, I can tell you, actually, I think John twenty thirty one. It's not the beginning of the book, but it's still like, well, this is why these are written. Oh, that's true. I, th- I think it's John twenty thirty one. Yeah, right at the end of the book, right? Yeah, it's... Let's, you know what? Let's just take a peek. <laughs> I'm going to take a peek. I should have this memorized because we did this in Greek this this year, this semester. You know what? And actually, now that you say that, I think there are a couple other places, too. Especially Paul says, like, hey, this is why I'm writing to you. Yeah, it's like, I think it goes like this. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These are written that you may believe. If you know the old uh, the old lectionary. Or the old uh, order of service from the red hymnal. I guess it's not the old one. Well, actually, that's what I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. We always did the the word and sacrament and service of the word mm. and right yep. out of the hymnal. Yep. yep. Like every good Wellesian has a video of themselves as a little kid singing at least one of the uh, hymns from the hymns from the uh, uh, liturgy. I get home, but that's the whole point: is that you have and know and even memorize those words you got that one yeah i got it right here um this wording is yeah definitely a little bit different than i'm used to it says uh but these miracles have been written so that you will believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and so that you will uh have life by believing in him see it's the word the wording is so different it was like i couldn't even read for a second there (laughs) but it says the same thing so i thought that was kind of neat what verses were those john chapter 20 verse 31 31 20 verse 31 yep chapter 20 oh, verse 31 I have 21 here yeah what do you got 20 verse 31 <clears throat> but these are written that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name yep that sounds yeah. closer to the version i memorized for greek yeah well and, and the uh chapter 21 is chapter 21 the one that's contested no uh, oh, I don't think so. I think it's closer to chapter eight. Yeah, but I, I again, you've got this like super clear break, kind of just saying like, hey, we just told you all these things, and this is why we tell you all these things. Yeah. Well, it's that story of Jesus like drawing a line in the sand, and saying, hey, is it fifteen? Fourteen or fifteen? I I also wanted to say this earlier. Um, I feel like maybe Solomon started that out. His his book of Proverbs is out that way because he's the wisest guy in the world. That's true, like ever, and uh, and honestly, actually, when I was reading my EHV version, um, it says it's it's written for let's see let's see what this says, uh, to give knowledge and foresight to the young. I think the EHV version says like 
Like this, this is, these are Proverbs for the young man. And I feel like that speaks, speaks right to me. I mean, obviously it's for all people, but, um, but for me, that was like comforting. Like, oh, well, these, these will help me in life. And I'm just young. I'm not experienced yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love it. Uh, by the way, it's John chapter eight, uh, the story of Jesus. Um, uh, there's the woman uh, caught in adultery and Jesus says, er, you know, who, he who is sinless cast the first stone. And all the the first the oldest and talking about wisdom again first yep. the oldest of the of the Pharisees start to walk away, and then eventually everybody else walks away, and Jesus says, "Has no one condemned you?" She says, "No, sir, not even one." Neither Jesus do says, I. Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. Yep. Right. Go and leave your life of sin. And again, a, a message of grace, but also a stern warning. Like there's a reason I ask you to live the way that you do, but your sins are forgiven. I love it. I love it. Should we continue? We, uh, I think, yeah, we should. All right. Yeah. I gotta find my spot again. You want to read? Sure. How far are you thinking? Probably. Oh, until we get to a natural break here. Natural break. Okay. Well. Yeah. Like, here we uh, go. So at end after verse nineteen is a break. Ver- yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. My son, if sinners lure you, do not go along. If they say, "Come with us," let us set an ambush to kill someone. Let's hide to ambush innocent people for fun. We'll swallow them alive like the grave, like those who, like those in good health. Oh, I think we skipped into some. The, no, we didn't. <laughs> Chapter this verse eight. Yeah, I started right at verse eight. Really? Yeah. Listen to your father's instruction or discipline. Yeah, my son, listen to your father's instruction and do not neglect your mother's. Wait, did I read that? I don't know. I don't think so. We'll be, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I did. That's okay. Rewind. Here we we'll go. We'll be able to look at it later. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. My son, listen to your father's discipline and do not neglect your mother's teachings because discipline and teachings are a graceful garland on your head and a golden chain around your neck. My son, if sinners lure you, do not go along. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush to kill someone. Let's hide to ambush innocent people for fun. We'll swallow them alive like the grave, like those in good health who go to, into the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable possessions. We'll fill our homes with stolen goods. Join us. We'll split the loot equally. My son, do not follow them in their way. Do not even set foot on their path, because they rush to do evil and hurry to shed blood. It does no good to spread a net within the sight of any bird. But these people set an ambush for their own murder. They go into hiding only to lose their lives. This is what happens to everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. Greed takes away his life. Yeah, that's a stern warning. A stern warning. I was thinking, like, while I was reading that, I was like, it says don't even set a foot on their path. Don't even go anywhere near them. It kind of reminds me of, I think, it's, uh, Psalm Psalm chapter 1. Psalm one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a theme throughout the book of Proverbs is just foolishness, right? Like, don't be a fool. Be a wise man. Like, don't be a fool. And and, and I, I like the way he talks about how you wouldn't even cast a net in front of a bird. Like, why would you show the birds that you're trying to trap them, right? Um. But these men literally set traps for themselves because they're so foolish in what they're doing. Um, that makes me actually. I was kind of wondering, like, do they set a trap for themselves um, in the eyes of God, or like, is it plain for everybody else around them to see? Well, I think it depends. You know, like we, earlier we were watching a little bit of Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. And, and a guy like that, I, I don't. It's not obvious to him that he's setting a trap for himself. But there's no doubt he's not walking a path towards heaven. You know. And he sees extremely wise in his own eyes. And frankly, he's setting traps for all kinds of other people, too. He's not bringing anybody closer to Jesus. If he's doing anything, he's driving them away. And like I said, a, a man like that believes himself to be very wise. And, and many people in the world believe him to be very wise. But is he wise in reality? No, because he doesn't have the wisdom and knowledge that can only come from knowing the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's certainly wicked people who know that they're wicked and just choose to continue to be wicked. But I think just as common or even more common, maybe, are people who fool themselves into thinking that they're they're not. That they're not. And I don't know if it's just that you trick yourself in order to, you know, not feel so bad about yourself. Like, if you convince yourself that you're not as wicked as you know you really are, Eventually, I mean, you can make yourself believe just about anything you want, right? Um, and I think that there are a lot of people who do that. I think there's also a lot of people who 
like really deep down they know just how de- frankly depraved and sinful and awful they are we all are um and, and they if you really pressed them on it they'd probably recognize that but then they say things like well i hope i put more good into the world than bad or something like that and they get into this moralistic ideal instead of leaning on a savior and kind of letting go of my own righteousness and saying, I'm just going to trust that my Savior has enough for me. Does that answer your question? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a long and long way to get there, but yeah. Yeah. What did you ask? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I'm going to look at the verse again. Um, let's see. Oh, it was, it was the verse. Oh, are they it, setting a trap does, for themselves? Yeah, it does no good to spread a net within the sight of any bird. So I was like, I was wondering, is it... um. Like their foolish acts are obviously clear and visible to God. So I was like, is this, is this talking about like, oh, do they set I a trap see, in yeah. the eyes of God because God sees everything, or does, or I was wondering if it was, um, you know, what they're doing is it really is it obvious to even everybody around them? Uh, know, yeah, have, I think I think prudence. the answer still, uh, I think my answer still makes sense. So the idea that like some the more wise you are, the more you're going to see the foolishness of others, right? Um, like that's kind of the. I think that kind of is a loose definition of wisdom, isn't it? Being able to see the foolishness of the people around you, the folly of the world. Maybe that's only like one part of it, though. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. But if you have an understanding of wisdom, you're going to recognize that not many people have it. What do you think? No, that's a big, I think that's a big part of being um, experienced, like in the sense that that is wisdom, experience is wisdom. Yeah. Um, if you've seen it before, then you're going to know. So, yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's definitely a big... Well, and I would argue, you you can't really be wise without wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Profound. I would agree with that. (laughs) Socrates, (laughs) over here. (laughs) (laughs) What I meant to say, you can't really be wise without experience. Um, Like, you can, whether it's, like, there's there's different kinds of wisdom. Unless you're Solomon. That's true. That's true. Um, but even then, like, Solomon's wisdom really was based in knowing the Lord and leaning on the Lord. And you can very clearly see, like, in the book of Ecclesiastes, you can see him do exactly what, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he, yeah, I think he read, wrote this one. But oh, yeah. the, uh, um, you can see where he doesn't even follow his own advice. And he strays and comes back. I, I don't, was he old when he wrote this? Or no, I think this was, this was like, uh, like close to middle age. And then Ecclesiastes is when he was older. Song of Songs when he was, was when he was younger. But he talks about the idea That's of what we guess. Like a chasing after the wind, right? Just like foolishly chasing after everything. He tried yep. uh, he tried sex and women and it didn't <clears throat> do anything. He tried great projects and building things and and you know, building great cities and finding great wealth and, and, and it still didn't yeah. fill the holes, right? Yeah, he was like, What good is this? Because I'm gonna die eventually and it's gonna be left to the fool after Right. Uh, he, he, uh, great, great feats of learning and and all that kind of stuff, and none of it meant anything in the end because, like you said, he's going to die, and what happens in eternity? And I think, like, the experience was becoming a king at a young age, and having to lean completely and wholly on a God who is not visibly seen to him. I mean, and and, and there's a lot of faith that comes when you see God in a vision while you're sleeping, right? It's one thing to be Moses and to see a burning bush. Like I'm a, like I can pinch myself. I'm awake. I can feel the sand under my feet. Like this happened. It's a whole other thing to be, you know, whether it's Joseph, you know, an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream and saying, you know what, your son is going to be, you know, the savior of the world. Like the 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 baby that Mary is carrying, like she's kept herself pure and this is the son of God. Or whether it's, you know, um, Jacob having a dream about God saying I'm always with you. Um, or, you know, in this case, Solomon having a dream where God says, all right, what do you want? I can give you anything. What would you like? Like, it's a lot harder to have faith in a dream than it is to see God face to face. And I would argue it's even sometimes even more difficult than to believe in something you've never seen. But as scripture says, that's faith. I don't know if I actually completely agree with what I just said. I I think, I mean, listening to it, I was kind of like, okay, well, yeah, like the Israelites followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of and fire. It's a little by night. easier to that's, to tangibly that's, grasp. That. Yeah, that's physical. They're conscious. They're awake. But I feel like 
there's really not that much of a difference if God comes to you in a, in a vision or if it's an angel even, yeah. because that's still a huge shock and awe moment. Um, you think it's more difficult to believe if you like have seen God, whether it's, you know, watching Mount Sinai shake or seeing that pillar of smoke and fire or seeing an angel. And then like when times get difficult, the, the angel doesn't appear. You don't hear the voice of God. The mountain doesn't shake. Is it more difficult to believe then? Or is it more difficult to believe when you're, you know, like you and I have never seen God. We've never heard the voice of God, you know, like the literal voice of God, like speaking from the clouds or whatever. Uh, when difficult times come, is it harder to believe if you've seen God and he's not appearing to you physically anymore? Or if you've never physically seen or heard God, and you're just trusting that he's there? Actually, maybe we're just asking the wrong question because there is a passage where it's like, well, you know, those are truly blessed who have not seen and yet have believed, and that's us. So, like, maybe it doesn't necessarily matter if it, if we're physically conscious and awake. We're still blessed by the Holy Spirit to believe, and we still have that. We still have faith. Well, I love it. I love it. Just com- like I, I, in a good way, you just kind of invalidate that whole idea and just say, "Nope." The Lord says, "I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not trust that I'm blessed." I like it. And I mean, it's not like when, when you phrase it hard, is it harder to believe this situation versus this situation? I mean, we can't believe by ourselves anyway. You're right. It's not something I do. So maybe, maybe that was just like the wrong way of approaching it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's still, I mean, even if it's a uh, vision, it's still a miracle. Miracles are there to like, I, I guess, um, like evidences maybe. Like they don't they don't create faith, but but they're like proof proof of, of like faith maybe. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh man, I'm trying to remember how to word that right. I know that miracles don't create faith, but they're def like they confirm it. There we go, confirm it. I think that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it works the opposite too. Like they'll confirm, like they'll confirm other. Oh boy, I don't want. If you perceive something as as miraculous, it'll also confirm, you know, the the absence of. You know, whatever, like, so if you if you are like an agnostic or you are, you know, like a spiritualist or something, you can also then, like, it'll confirm that faith too. Um, obviously, faith or lack thereof. Yeah. It, obviously, it's not the Lord working in your heart at that point. It's it's uh, the, the forces of darkness. But it'll confirm that too. And I think you see that in the Old Testament, especially where you have, you know, like cutting and things. Well, you're praising the prophets of Baal or even straight up calling on the devil to do, you know, miracles and things. And we have evidence in scripture that the devil can. Um, and it confirms that faith, too. It's kind of scary. But it's true. What do you think? Um, I know I just took this like in a totally yeah, weird tangent. We're a little off track, but um, I feel like... Um, Maybe is there might there might be so, somewhere uh, in the Bible where it says. Here's like, what I'm thinking of when I say this is like uh, Pharaoh, he brings in Moses. Moses does these signs, and then Pharaoh brings in his, and and everybody's like, "Wow, like this is the God of Israel. Like the God of Israel is God." And then Pharaoh brings in his magicians, and they com- they they do the same signs except for the blood, right? I don't even know. Yeah, there were some that they could not duplicate. Right, but I they duplicate some of them. And that just <clears throat> confirmed to Pharaoh, like, no, this isn't really the powerful God that I think it is. And that's why he keeps turning his back on, like, w- like when he says, all right, Israel, you can go. And then he changes his mind. And he says, no, you can go. And he changes his mind. Like, really, what's happening is he's looking back and saying, like, you know what? I don't really fear this God, you know? But if he understood who God is and what God is, he would certainly fear him. Yeah, I think it's reminded me of, I think it's in Hamlet when Hamlet is like trying to figure out like the spirit of his father, if it's like, if it's from, you know, bad forces or or if it's from like heaven or something like that. Um, I know that's Hamlet, you know, it's not the Bible. (laughs) It's not the all ruling authority, but if it's, uh, I feel like you'll be able to tell, um, whether a miracle is from God or not. If it's, if it's like aligns with scripture, if it's, if it's true, if it has authority, because a lot of the people in Jesus day remarked at how, when Jesus taught in the synagogue, he's like, wow, this guy speaks with authority. Um, as opposed to like some of the miracles that Satan or any other demon might be able to do are going to 
either be a lie or they're going to lead down some false, false path, yeah. perhaps. Well, and you look at the I don't know if that's of, always true, though. But Oh, and you look at the miracles of Jesus. I mean, what, what did the Pharisees say when they saw Jesus doing miracles? Like, he's possessed by a demon, and that's why he has authority over demons. And Jesus said, you know. Do you really think that the devil would want me want these demons to stop doing this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How can I how can I be darkness and drive out darkness? Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't that, work. Doesn't not, does not work that way. Light purges darkness like water purges soap. Yep. You ever seen soap run away from water? That's what light does to darkness. Yeah. Ooh. I like it. Cool. What I want to talk about here is what you mentioned there, the idea of not <laughs> even taking a step on their path of wickedness, right? Yep. Seeing what the wicked do and not even taking a step in that direction. I think, I, obviously you had some thoughts about it, but I think that's a super powerful message for especially young men um, and young men in our, <laughs> you're in fact a boy <laughs> reading your God's word for boys. Anyway, um, so the, uh, um, the I, I think a lot of times we're tempted, especially in our culture and in our society at this moment, um, to minimize sin and be like, in under the right circumstances and at the right times, it's okay to an extent, right? But sin kills, and sin is always wicked, and sin is always bad, and it's never a good idea, and we should never make it okay. It's not okay. No. Ever. Never. At all. At a, never ever. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did an interview with uh, Matthew Bound from Camp Phillip, and Cameron Schrader was on. And yeah. it, it was just like a, it was just a little, like, I don't remember what Cameron said, but he did, he minimized a little bit of sin and Matthew just straight up called him out in the best possible way and said, nope, it's sin. Sin is sin. Sin is not okay. And, uh, it took both of us back a little bit. We're like, nope, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's, it is sin and it's not okay. Um, yeah. and, and there's multiple evidences in scripture of that idea, but I think here it's the most clearly written. Do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush to sin, and they are swift to shed blood. If you take a step on this path, you will run down this path. And that goes back to the whole purpose of the law in the first place. I mean, that's what the whole book of Romans is about. It's not about me being good enough or my good outweighing my bad or, you know, like choosing to do right more often than I do wrong or, you know, coming alongside Jesus to work together for my salvation. It's about... God saying, I want you to be with me for eternity. And in order to do that, this faith that I've given you needs to last. And here's how you're going to behave so that you don't put that faith in jeopardy. Don't even go anywhere near yep. those, 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 those sinful situations or those people even. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I said this earlier. It reminded me of Psalm 1. The way I'm remembering it from the, I think it's the NIV 84 version. It's like, uh, blessed are those who do not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. And stand is like good picture language because this says don't set foot, I think. Didn't, and don't follow them in their way. And it reminded me of Psalm 1 when it says, Blessed is the person who does not uh, follow the advice of wicked people or, or take the path of sinners or join the company of mockers. So I feel like that's a cool scripture connection. Um don't even go. Don't even go. Don't even go yeah. near them. Don't even sit with them. Don't hang out with them. Yeah. Don't do that. Well, and that goes like uh, in Greek. Obviously, this is written in Hebrew, but in Greek, you've got the um, oh boy, the uh, ACI construction. ACI. Yeah. Where it's maybe it's not ACI. I'm pretty sure it's an infinitive. No, it's subjunctive. The um, uh, sub- Aorist prohibition. Yeah, the heirs prohibition. There we go. Thank you. I didn't just take a test on that. Come on. Now. <laughs> anyway, you got the heirs prohibition, and you got this idea of don't even start, right? Yeah. And if this was written in Greek, that's exactly what it would be. It'd be a don't even don't ever have at any point started doing this. Is really <laughs> what they're what what it's saying, right? Yep. And and that's exactly what the idea here is. Don't at any point in your life even. Begin to, like, at the end of your life, don't have ever begun to start doing the things that the wicked do in their lives. And that just, like, that, I mean, the warning doesn't get any clearer than that. And yet we, we like to qualify it and be like, well, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, got to get it out of my system, you know? No. Like, I got to sin while I'm young so that I, well, what's the country song? Um, I'll ever be old and wise if I'm never, you know, young and if crazy. I, and I, if I ain't ever young, young and crazy. Yeah, I think it's something like that. I, it, that's just not how it works. It doesn't get out of your system. It doesn't just go away. At best, it creates problems down the road. 
at worst, it ruins your future on Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, no. At, at 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 worst, in an earthly sense, it ruins your future. At worst, in a eternal sense, it draws you away from your faith, and you do not return. Like you lose your eternity. Yeah. How how awful to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul. Yeah, you reminded me of. I guess I guess another way to put that is grace is not a license to sin. Yeah. And um, I'm in Romans right now. I think. Uh. I can't quite remember where it is, but but it does but talk about like, should I yeah. should should uh, when sin if if grace increases when sin increases should I then sin more so that my grace might increase? No, absolutely not. No. There, there's that, but I th- I'm in Romans five. I thought it was in the beginning of Romans five, but yeah, I can't quite remember. But I know it's like there's definitely something. In Romans, where it very clearly says grace is not a license to sin, um, and then there's like, yeah, where grace increase, where wait, where sin increases, grace also increases. But like, the point of that is not to sin. More. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the 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 other thing about sin that we don't talk about a lot. A lot of times we talk about sin. It's bad, so don't do it. Right. But there's practical reasons for each of the commands that God gives us, right? If the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? If those are the two greatest commandments, that's also how we can then split up the Ten Commandments, right? The first three are ways that I love God more than I love myself. Or anything else for that matter. Or anything else for that matter. Yes, you're right. And then the la- like four through ten, or well, yeah, four through ten. And if you're from a different denomination, four through ten point five. Ten point five, because they like split them up differently than we split them up. But they oh, still yeah. have ten oh, commandments. Yeah. Anyway, so um, or ten and a half. Right. So like, well, they nine. Their nine and ten are together, but their s- eight is split in two. I think. Anyway, whatever. Huh. So the uh, it, there's still ten commandments. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then the last six commandments are all about my interactions with the people around me. What does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? Well, I respect their belongings, and I treat their belongings as if they're mine. I leave everything better than I found it, right? And same with people, right? I do not commit adultery with my with my neighbor's wife, um, and he doesn't commit adultery with my wife. Like Again, I leave those relationships better than I found them. I treat him as I would like to be treated. I treat my spouse as I would like to be treated. I don't steal because it's not my property, it's his property. And I don't want him to steal from me. He doesn't want me to steal from him. This is how we treat each other. This is how we treat each other with love and respect. And this is how we would have behaved before the fall, and we no longer do so. Mm-hmm. You'd like to get something to say. Nope, I'm just, listen- <laughs> I'm just listening. All right. Um, but like a lot of times we forget that there's practical reasons behind it. We just say, this is bad, so don't do it. God says it's bad, and don't make God upset. Like, well, I don't surprise God with my sin. He knows I'm going to sin. He knew from eternity what I was going to do. That's not the point. The point is he wants me to walk in the light so that I might not be lost along the way. He says, I will be with you. I will walk with you. Don't leave my side. Let me walk with you. And together, you know, it's not. Yeah. Be holy as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Yep. Yep. I have prepared a place for you. I'm taking you home. Let me take you there, and don't get lost along the way. Don't get distracted. There, uh, what's what's that? What's that hymn called? It's like, um, I fix my eyes on Jesus, or or something like that. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, heaven is my heaven is my home. Heaven is my goal. That's like that's where our eyes should be, all the time. Yeah, and yeah for all for all like. Yeah, like all the practical reasons you mentioned, but also just because Jesus like is just like, well, I want you. With, I want you with me. Yeah. This is where I want everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I, I wish I had more to say about the idea of I'm just going to sin a little bit now cuz it doesn't really matter or this sin really doesn't hurt me. And I I just I I don't have any other place to it's just not true and not right. I wish I had more wisdom to give, but that's just it is it will sin will kill you. So Maybe we'll there'll be more wisdom in the later chapters. That Maybe. We can read. Let's keep moving. Yeah. All right. So picking up at verse 22. <clears throat> or 20, right? Oh, yeah. I, st- yeah, I stopped at yep, 19. That's where I started underlining. Yep. <laughs> so I guess 20 and 21 just weren't as good. No. That's not true. Okay. <laughs> verse 20. 
Wisdom cr calls aloud in the streets. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. I like this, too, the juxtaposition of the call of wickedness versus the call of wisdom. And wickedness is constantly calling you towards death and darkness and destruction. But in the short term, it's going to make you feel real good, right? And you see this really clearly in, like, Proverbs 3 and 4, where you see, you know, like, the uh, wayward woman. You see the warning against adultery, the warning against folly. Um, but it's introduced here as wisdom cries out, and, and, and then wickedness will cry out in the next chapters. But here's what wisdom says. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to take in. Yeah. I Actually, going back to... Let's see, uh, verses like, let's see, verses 24, verses 24 through like 29, um, it says, I will laugh at your calamity, I'll make fun of you. It says, it even says like, I'll make, I'll, I'll jest at you, you'll be, you'll be my sport, I'll, I'll make fun of you, I'm not, I'm not scared. Um, is that, is that Solomon, or is that wisdom personified, or is that God? I mean... Well, wisdom is the knowledge of God, so I've got to say it's it's God, right? It's wisdom, which comes from God. Wisdom laughs at folly. The wise man laughs at folly. If he's not weeping over folly, because <laughs> yeah. like, because like, you know, it it talks about yeah, like wisdom is personified in verse twenty. It's wisdom is the subject. Wis wisdom sings her song in the streets. It even uses a pronoun, her. So I'm wondering, like, is that wisdom that's doing the laughing, or is that God, like? Yeah. scoffing at sinners because i think if i'm remembering right i think there's other places in the bible where it does say like god's like ha yeah oh and psalms say that all the time the lord laughs at them you know you know and the kings and kingdoms what gather together against the lord and against the united one the lord scoffs at them. is that psalms yeah i, I was thinking I which song i was thinking of like isaiah and jeremiah too maybe. but that too yeah he definitely does there as well <laughs> i'd have to look more closely but yeah yeah. Well, and even the verse or two before that, 22 and 23, um, wisdom says, you know, hey, you are foolish now. Would you just listen to me? You know? Yeah, come and, to me when I when I warn you. Yeah. And, well, and, and you look at verses 32 and 33 where it talks about, you know, the condemnation that is coming because you've chosen to live in folly. But it also, before that, is a call to return to wisdom and say, like, hey, I'm right here. You know, come be wise. Like return to wisdom. Don't continue to live in your folly. And the I, I that I think that's the that's the dichotomy of being a sinner and a saint, right? Is I the good I want to do I do not do, the sin I do not want to do I keep on doing. As Paul said, is I'm just going to whether I want to or not I'm going to keep falling back into folly over and over. And I love the word folly. It just it, like it 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 almost has like a mocking sound to it, right? Of like, this is just stupid. Yeah. Like, folly is just a stupid thing. Why folly, are you doing this? This is folly. pointless. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not a word we use in our vernacular, but I want to. I might start just using it. <laughs> like, this is folly. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it, 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 like, it just, it, I think it does a good job of encapsulating, like, the foolishness of, you know, foolishness of folly you know the foolishness of the world and the pursuit of all these things that do not secure my salvation that will not matter in the actual long term yeah the emancipation of all that is sensible yes yeah folly yeah i'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna say that if we have if we it's have like, like total a... dismissal 
of anything that would be sensible. Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down in a Hebrew quiz next year. I'm I'm gonna take one look and go, this is folly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I like that idea too. Here in verses 22 and 23, of you are fools, but you have an opportunity. Like wisdom is actively inviting you, and there's a warning: if you do not seek wisdom, this is what will happen. How many? Actually, why don't we look at that? How many of those warnings are in are just in this first chapter? Because there's oh, verse man. there's verse twenty three, turn to me when I warn you. Are there any more? There has to be more. I mean, twenty four is the idea of you rejected me. Yeah, but I'm wondering how many times it says, "Listen to me now, and it'll be better for you later." Uh, how about verse eight? Yeah, verse eight, eight and nine. Yeah, like listen to your father's and mother's teachings. Yeah. I mean, but you've got three sections here just in chapter one saying, like, look, please <laughs> listen to wisdom's call. Like, walk in wisdom. Do not walk in folly. And Maybe then it's always why. followed by a stern warning. Maybe that's why Solomon chose to start off this entire book that way. Like, this is good this is good stuff for you. This is this is where we're starting, you know. It's gonna be listen to this and don't turn back. Yeah. Um and then and then the rest is gonna be a whole bunch of like you mentioned in chapters two and three it's like um the wayward woman or something like that like then he goes into other follies and i think it's uh that whole idea of beginning with the end in mind if you want to be a wise man i'm going to give you lots of wisdom but before we even talk about wisdom i'm going to tell you why you need the wisdom right i'm going to tell you where this wisdom will take you why this wisdom is a benefit to you chapter two is the moral benefits of wisdom is the the title like here's what wisdom will do for you so before I even give you wisdom, I'm going to tell you what wisdom will do for you so that when the wisdom starts coming, you're ready for it. Like You're ready to listen to it. You're ready yeah. to take hold of it. You're ready to grasp it and use it. Yeah. I just think it's um, definitely something to pay attention to to see like how many times the author of this book really, really cares. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's Solomon inspired by God, and God obviously, you know, he loves us. Um but I just, I really like seeing maybe that little bit of uh, his personality, Solomon's personality that he has. Because um, he's, st- he's still the human writer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like to keep tallies of those things. Yeah. Well, and you think about the da- Solomon's personal experiences, right? Watching his brothers rebel <coughs> against their father. Um, watching his brothers even try and kill their father, rape their sisters. Like, all of these things that they got wrapped up in. Watching his own father um, take another man's wife and then murder him. Like, seeing all these things that went on in his personal life as a young man, it makes sense that he would plead so urgently for other young men. Well, even the, the, the things that happened in Solomon's life, where he like he's the wisest man on earth, and he's still strayed from the Lord for a significant portion of his reign as the king of Israel. Yeah, with what? Was it like... 900 wives and concubines oh my goodness like first of all who needs that when you I, I i love women but who needs that many <laughs> you know like they're fantastic creatures but yeah yeah right exactly and and, and it's <laughs> oh boy i didn't ever think can one man satisfy that many women <laughs> if you think like, in terms of like <laughs> that's just a lot of numbers <laughs> oh yeah so, I mean, I suppose but he it's was, not uh, I, I guess what i'm getting at is that's not even a healthy that can't be a healthy household either like they're all commit supposedly committed to you, and tied to you for life and bonded to you for life. But you can't tell me that none of them aren't, you know, <clears throat> going out and sharing their wild oats, if you will. Like you can't tell me they're all just patiently waiting for Solomon to come around and decide to enter their bedchamber at night. Like it's not a good arrangement for him. It's not a good arrangement for the wives either. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not. It's foolish. Uh, and you see all the things, all these connections in Solomon's personal life. Like, it makes sense that he'd be looking at young men, especially maybe his sons, and saying, like, please, listen to wisdom. This is really important. If you do those things, these things that I'm telling you right now, your life's going to be a whole lot better, and your faith is going to be secure. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I was also going to say, um, I've heard, actually, a lot of people who uh, will, like, commentary on, like, uh, you know, kingdoms back in, you know, Old Testament times. And these are, these are like secular people, scholars. Um, they'll say like, oh, well, Solomon intermarried with a whole bunch of people to make alliances with other nations. And that, that was his wisdom. That's why he was wise. No, 
not not well, I mean, really. there, I'm sure there is some I'm, wisdom in that. <laughs> well, but, well, yeah, but like, but like, still. Yeah. Um. I feel Ooh. like I feel like there's a little bit more, like Jesus. The Queen of Sheba more. wouldn't have come out and s- seen him just to be married to a lot of chicks. I feel like. <laughs> Did you he marry the Queen of Sheba? No, no, no. She just came to visit him. Oh yeah. She came to visit him and basically admire his wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, but I was gonna I was gonna say like. Um, Jesus, what is it? Genesis. It's um, ah oh man, I can't remember the exact reference, but it's he gives uh, one man and one woman to be married, right? And Jesus makes mention of that in a in a in a in a gospel, I think, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Um, but so like, there's there's that other part of it. Um, like even in, in the Old Testament, that was like the normal thing. Like, um, I guess like polygamy was normal, but. God started with one man and one one woman. Well, and and frankly, from a practical standpoint, like they have far different practical needs twelve thousand years ago than they do now. You know, like what well, that was what twelve thousand pra- years ago or whatever. Solomon was like, that's true. What three? Yeah, three or four thousand years ago, which is still a long time ago. And practical needs then were a whole lot different than now. And practical needs for a king, you know, making alliances and such, which I'm sure some of it was that. Um, are also far different than you or I, you know, like in modern America. I don't need two wives at the same time. There's no practical advantage to that that I can think of. Well, yeah, but going back to what we said earlier, sin is still sin. Yeah, you're right. No matter what it is. That's we, true. I, I feel like I can't, I can't feel like I can't belittle that fact. Yeah. I wish I knew more. I don't know anything. I, I can't speak with any authority on the idea of more than one wife. What I do know is I can't wait to find one who I love dearly, and one will be enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. frankly probably a ways away from that, um, but I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. Yeah. It's I, it's kind of like praying for somebody you don't even know. You can't put it, you can't, you don't know a name. You know, I, I don't know a face. I'm just praying that God will give me somebody that he knows is right for I me. I pray for her every day, and I just yeah. say, I just pray for my Ezra Konegdo. I don't. I can't, I obviously don't have a name on. Every once in a while, I'll try and slap a name on her, and be like, "Oh, I just met this girl, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna marry her." And then, like two <laughs> weeks later, it's like, "Yeah, Lord, I know, I know, Lord." Jill, let's start praying for an Ezra Kinnegdo again. <laughs> um, but like, I, I I pray for her every single day. Um, well, okay, I pray for her every single day. But every day that I say my prayers, which should be every day, and I'll get back to that. Um, I think it is. I think it's important to pray for my wife, even though I don't know her yet, because she's a very much a part of who I am now, and I'm very much want to be preparing for my life with her, mm-hmm. and the things I do now will have a great impact on my life with her one day. So yep. why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't she be a part of my prayer life? Yep, and God has the best in mind for you and me. Absolutely, um, it's just so. Hard. Sorry, we're we're a little off topic, but probably. Okay. But I, for me, like personally, like it's just really hard to see the big picture. Yeah, like. I would really enjoy somebody's company, you know, and, and I feel like <laughs> this is kind of maybe prideful of me and silly, but I feel like I can, you know, really, I feel like I could be a good companion to somebody. I could be beneficial yeah. to somebody, yeah. but you know, maybe that's not true. So that's why Well, and I feel the same way right too, now. but I also think like the Lord, the, he says the Lord knows better than, than I do. Um, and, and certainly than I do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know any more than you do. <laughs> um, yeah, the Lord definitely knows better. And like, I, I think that's, I, I'm, I'm not impatient, but I'm eager for the day. Like, Same. That might be the best way to that, say Yeah. That. I'm very and, looking and, forward to it. And like, I honestly do see the way that the Lord is shaping and molding me and changing me. And right now I can look back at five years ago and be like, yep. I'm kind of glad that the Lord didn't give me, you know, the woman I hope to marry then. Like, having a picture of the woman I hope to marry in my brain as far as, like, who she is and how she loves the Lord and all that. And thinking about her and saying, five years ago, I wasn't the man that I would want for that woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, a woman who loves the Lord like that with those traits and characteristics, I wouldn't have been the guy for her five years ago. Um and I have a feeling five years from now, I'll still be saying the same thing about myself. Now, hopefully in five years, I'll be married. But I'll probably be saying, like, man, I was so unprepared for this. <laughs> and, and, and even though I have actively been trying to be ready for a very long time. So, kind of interesting idea. 
Yeah, five years ago, I was still in high school. <laughs> so I hope nobody wanted to marry me then. <laughs> you never know. So, I mean, those those high school girl crushes can be strong. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, they, they seem so. Like, your body's That's going true. through a lot of changes. That's and, true. I mean, I kind of... Um, I don't know. I'm not obviously. I'm not blaming my my older brother, but he uh, he met his girlfriend, his wife, um, like a month or two before they started high school, and they started dating by like right before their freshman year, and they dated for like seven years and finally got married. So like they dated through all of high school and college and then got yeah. married. So I was like, oh, that'd be pretty cool to find somebody like that. Um, and I yep. think I think I just set my hopes too high for myself. Yeah, or well, something. it feels like the clock's ticking, and you're like, ah. Oh, but it's not. Gonna, yeah, it's not yeah. at all. It just feels like it is because you've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm t- I'm 21 yeah. years old. There's, like, I have so much longer left, you know, yep. to go. Yeah. Well, and that was my th- at MLC. I going into MLC, I was absolutely positive. Going into MLC eight or <clears> ten years ago when I started MLC, I was convinced. I was positive that I was going to leave MLC with a wife. You know, and it wasn't like a ring before spring kind of thing. I will never, I will never, ever go there. <laughs> but um, like, it, I just was confident that that's the way my life was gonna go, and I, I honestly consider myself blessed to not have, like, I, I wouldn't have been able to go to the places I've gone and do the kind of ministry I've been doing, and I would not be here likely with if I had a wife and a family. Mm-hmm. Um. So I consider myself blessed to not have had my plans work out the way I wanted them to. Yeah, actually, uh, the dating environment at MLC, because they had joked about it, you know, I'd heard the making Lutheran couples joke <laughs> plenty of times before. Yeah. Um, I was actually, that was one of the things that made me almost not come to MLC because I was like, oh, it's going to be such a toxic environment here. And it kind of is a little bit sometimes. A little bit. And um, I heard something very interesting the other day. I mean, it was over TikTok, but um, <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, it was a male uh, speaking to a female audience, and he was he was trying to tell them, you know, make sure you you carry yourself like your wife material. Don't don't play the girlfriend game, um, or else he's or else you know he you know being their like boyfriend or whatever is gonna is gonna play with you. He's gonna treat you like that. And I was like, and looking back on it, I've had like a couple, you know, little relationships at MLC so far, and and at the time I was super invested. I was like, wow, I really like this girl. Um, but uh, looking looking back on it, I'm so glad God didn't let me go down that route because I was like, I realized I realized now that um, she she just wants to be a girlfriend right now. She she's not looking for anything right. long term, and I am. And there isn't necessarily anything wrong with that, but when you have two different end ga- goals in mind, it's not going to work well. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like starting the book of Proverbs with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, although I feel like when you date, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> like when you start, right. start dating with the end in mind. Right. Um, I, I think I just tricked myself into thinking I was too ready. Well, I know you think you absolutely should start with the end in mind, but sometimes with, especially with dating, especially with when you're young, especially like high school couples and things like that is like, it's more of an attitude of I'm feeling my way through this. I'm seeing what I like and what I don't like in a partner. Um, obviously we're not having sex, but like, what do I enjoy in a female companion? What do I not enjoy in a female companion? You know, like, what are my insecurities? What, you know, what what are my needs? You know, what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I need to grow? All that kind of stuff. Um, and so even, I will, I actually will go on dates with girls that I don't think I'll have a long-term relationship with, but I won't start a relationship with them, if that makes sense. But I'll go on dates with them for, I mean, because I want to be good at relating to people and getting to know people, um, because I want to be, um, I want to be good at like empathizing with other people's needs, and I want to be able to understand where people are coming from. But I also like legitimately want to have a better understanding of what's good for me, um, what I find attractive, not like physically, like mentally, spiritually. What do I find attractive? You know what. Uh, I mean, there is a certain extent of like what makes me feel good as far as like um, how I like to be treated and all those kinds of things. And those aren't even like sin and not sin ideas. You know, like it's just like, you know, what does my relationship in the future look like? You know, I jived really well with this girl, but she didn't love Jesus like I, like I, like I do. And so it wasn't going to work out. But what was it about her? What 
personality traits and characteristics were a really good thing that were a blessing in this situation, right? Or like this girl was absolutely in love with Jesus. Every date I went on, or like, and there's a couple of girls like this where I, I legitimately got closer to Jesus by dating them, right? But there was never like from the first time we met, there really ever wasn't a marriage mindset. It was man, you are awesome. <laughs> I want to get to know you. Um, and I, I don't. I honestly don't think I'm going to marry you, but you are awesome. And because you're so awesome, and because you love Jesus, I got to know you better. And I just want to learn from you. I want to glean from you. I will learn about myself through you. And hopefully, I can help you understand men a little bit better and come from come, come from that mindset. But then also, like you said, never toying with them and playing with them either. Like making that clear. Like I'm not going to go on, you know, twelve dates with you. Like we're going to get to the end of date three. We're going to have a conversation about whether or not we think we should go like, continue to pursue this. And at this point in my life, especially as an adult, it hasn't been very often where I've said, yep, let's, let's get after this. Let's go. Um, but I also don't regret any of those either. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think, I think we take this, like, I think there's a lot of Christian dudes especially who won't even go on a date with a girl or get to know a girl if they don't like have this if they don't dream of her in a wedding dress at night, you know, just like, that's not, that's not it either. You can date intentionally and with an end in mind of marriage. Um, even if you don't like, you can still have fun and, and go out and meet people and date quote unquote recreationally and still have an, uh, the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, I feel like that's what I was. Um, yeah. I feel like I had a mindset for that. Um, I had, four girlfriends before like before and then like before before college and then like right before my freshman year during the summer um and i realized that was like mostly high school and that's like trifle and stuff but at the same time when i got to college and i had like one and then my second one um i had already had all those little things down like like physically mentally personality wise what i like um and then obviously the capstone is their their faith their love for jesus um so like, I feel like I already had, like I already had that that little stuff down. I just wanted to find somebody who's gonna stick with me the same way I right. was gonna stick with them. Right. Yeah. Which is which is why I said what I said earlier. Like, yeah. I feel like the couple of girls I have encountered, and it made me realize this. It's probably true for a lot of other girls who are single that I've encountered that I'm friends with, even. Um, well, they just want to be girlfriends. They're not looking with for, with, with yeah. the end in mind. So. Um, well, and and because kind of you're intentional that. about it you don't find yourself endlessly dating girlfriends who don't want to be a wife. You know what I'm saying? Because you're intentional, you avoid isn't the right word, but you don't get trapped in continually trapped in relationships where she doesn't actually want to be a long-term relationship that might end in marriage. Um, because going in, you're already being intentional about like, all right, is this what she's looking for? Is this really someone I want to do this with? All that kind of stuff. And you're not getting wrapped around anybody's finger or anything like that. Cool. Any last thoughts on anything before we close it out here? Um, peep my Kermit hat. <laughs> Look at all this tea he's drinking. <laughs> it is a cool hat. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, it's my conversation hat. You know, like you spill the tea. This is our tea. This is the best tea you can possibly have. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Where can people find you on social media or online or anything like that? Oh, well, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I have a Snapchat, but <laughs> I might not give that over a podcast. All right, what's your uh, Instagram handle? My Instagram? Um, oh, boy. I think it's Chris58Kren. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Or you can type, it's Christopher Crenshaw, right? On, yeah, or, yeah, or you could, yeah, Christopher Crenshaw. Just look that up in the search bar. It should be Chris58Kren. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll put a link down in the description below. You can find me at girdup underscore. B underscore A underscore man on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Gird Up uh, Ministries, Gird Up Podcast. Um, there's a Gird Up community there as well. I've been sharing a lot of YouTube videos and things like that lately. So go get, be a part of the community. Um, uh, there's not, I don't do a lot of facilitation in there, but that doesn't mean that guys don't get in there and interact. And I would love to see even more of it. They're pretty sweet. Yeah. And um, then the Gird Up website is up and active. Um, there's, it's pretty much, honestly, it's pretty much just, a place for links for the podcast. And then there's all kinds of gear there as well. Get yourself a Gird Up shirt, some Gird Up gear, a Gird Up sticker, all of that. Um, and what else? I think that's just about it. Thank you to our sponsors. 
Go be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always, we'll be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.